0: We can really say is uh, Amen, isn't it, to that prayer? It's a a desire of our hearts that we may know Jesus better and understand more about what it means, not just in our heads, but in our hearts as we follow Him together. Well, we're going to be uh, looking for a few weeks now um, into a a new series of teaching from the Bible, uh, and it's called Moving Forward. And we're thinking of the time when the Israelites went from uh, where they were in the desert into the land of uh, Canaan. Today is called The Choice, as you'll see why as we uh, come into this passage. It's, uh, as I say, a new series It's going to take us up to the summer uh, break. There's a few gaps in it for the week of prayer and uh, for Pentecost and so on. But apart from them, we're going to be focusing on, on a journey ourselves, traveling with the israelites god's people in the old testament as they moved out of the desert into the promised land the land god had promised them and it's all about how they were moving forward that's why it's called moving forward they'd been stuck or they got stuck and they were stuck for quite a long time actually as we shall see as we go through but we we thought it would be helpful for us as a church community uh, because uh, We want to move forward, don't we? We want to be moving forward in our lives as believers. We don't want to be standing still. Uh, We want to be moving forward as a church together, hopefully into all kinds of new things. You know, in the Bible, it talks about people becoming followers of Jesus, becoming Christians. Um, There's quite a well-known passage we sometimes quote at baptisms, actually, which talks about... When you become a believer, when you're baptized into Christ, you walk or you live or you travel in newness of life. You begin a journey that is about new life in Him. So wherever we are, either individually or together, this idea of moving forward is a kind of motive. It should be a a kind of part of our lives together and individually as believers. We don't want to be standing still. And we first kind of... uh, began to be thinking about this this series of um, scriptures uh, on one of our days of prayer and fasting for the building project quite a bit earlier on when one of those occasions when we got really stuck. You may remember those times. Well, on one of those prayer times, these, these words uh, from this passage today uh, kind of were, were powerfully kind of Uh, impressed upon us. So anyway, we're starting off then with the story of these Israelites. It's uh, uh, about this community who move forward into what God has promised for them. They've been rescued. Remember, they they were in Egypt as slaves. They'd been there for quite a few years, centuries in fact. God rescued them from slavery in a miraculous way. He released them out of Egypt, out of captivity. He brought them a whole, probably about a million of them. A whole community came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea into the desert and God met them at the Mount Sinai. And at that point, a kind of relationship was formed with them or kind of renewed. He'd always promised to be their God. That was a promise he made to, to Abraham and reiterated to Moses. But, but they, 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 they kind of In a sense, they almost kind of get married at at, at Sinai in the desert. And now it's the next phase following that, as they're to move on with God into the land that he'd promised them. He'd promised it to Moses, uh, He'd promised it to uh, his ancestors. It was the story of their identity was that their God had promised them this land and he was going to give it to them. And as we go with them in these few weeks, these messages is our Very much for us as a community. This is all about how a community move forward together. Not just individuals. Rather like those messages we were thinking about in the seven churches in Revelation. Jesus speaks to these communities as local churches. And in a way I want us to be thinking about us as a whole community here. As as we follow together. Because our life together really matters. It's really important, whether you're part of this church regularly or another church, your your life in, in community really matters. And we have to keep reiterating that. Some of you are from other cultures here. And you may have noticed that uh, the Western culture is very individualistic. And in our culture, we need to be stressing that, that it's not just about us individually, but our, our corporate life is important to, as well. So let's get into it then. Let's read this um, passage in uh, Numbers chapter 13. Uh, it's on page 149 if you want to follow it in the Bibles uh, as we go through. We're going to read verse 13, chapter 13 from verse 1. So it starts off, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to them, to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites, and these are their names. I won't read you a list of long names. There they are down there, one from each tribe. Verse 16, these are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. Verse 17, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your breasts to bring me back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob down towards Libo or Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahima Sheshai, Talmai, the descendants of the Anak, lived. I you're glad you're not reading that, aren't you? Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eskol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eskol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Well, we thought about journeys on holiday, didn't we, just now? How you go on holiday? Some of you have had holidays, looking forward to them. We had one recently, it was good. Still remembering it, so that's always good. Uh, A friend of mine, one of my oldest friends, uh, his wife, she's got a great job. She works for a travel agent. That's quite an outmarket one. So part of her job is, oh, you know. Terrible, isn't it? Just to go and try these holidays out, yeah. Just to go and go and there, a whole bunch, of, you know, a whole bunches of travel agents, you know, all go together and stay in resorts so they can recommend them to. The, uh, uh, she tells us that um, it's really tiring, you know. You have to spend ages, you know, going from hotel to hotel, eating every single hotel in the resort, and all of that it must be awful. But anyway, that's what they do. They go and check it out. Well, imagine, um, you know, I've been, maybe you know, put yourself here, imagine I, I've, I've, been, I've booked a holiday, or I've been maybe even better been given one, or won one in a, in a competition or something, and someone goes to check it out, see what it's like, see what I'm going to be getting. That's the kind of idea, that's what's going on here, that's what the Israelites are doing. Because in, in verse 1, God says to Moses, I am going to send some people to explore the land which I am giving it to the Israelites. God's saying to Moses, now Moses, you remember I promised you that you'd have this land, that this community are going to go there. Well, now's the time. And I want you to send a whole bunch of them off to go and have a look at it. Go and explore it. Go and find out what it's like. Each tribe is to send a leader. Presumably so they they can come back and then tell their whole tribe. So the whole community are involved in this. It's God's idea. It's very clear there in verse 1. It's for the whole community and Moses sets it up. And there in verse 17, Moses tells them, go right through the land. Explore it. Go through the different regions. Find out about the land. Find out about the people. Find out about the cities. And bring us back some samples. That's what he's saying. Go and, we want to know what it's like. Yeah, I, You know, I don't think this is... Uh, we think about spying as if they're going to go out and, um, you know, judge how they're going to capture it. That isn't actually the spirit of this at all. It is the spirit. is go and see what God's promised. Well, you go and find out. Go and see how good it is. Go and see what's coming next. Have an idea of my good provision for you. So off they go. Verse 21 tells us they go as far as Hebron. They even go to a place called Cluster Valley. (laughs) Cluster Valley, because it's got so many grapes in huge clusters and you know, there's that idea of it's. Some of these grapes are so kind of huge that they need, you know, they're so heavy. You need a bloke, two blokes with a pole hanging, and you know, this picture of the pole, the grapes in the middle, and pomegranates. I, I, I got a picture. Forgive me if, if you're French, but you know, in the old days, you see these French guys on bicycles with onions, you know, all over the bicycle. Well, a bit like only without the bicycle, with a pole. You know, there was a, grapes and pomegranates and just. What I should imagine whatever they found, they stuck on that pole and you know took it back to show them wow why have they gone on this mission to see what god has promised and that's the first point i wanted to think about seeing what god has promised you see god had promised them this land that's why it's called the promised land it always was and that phrase is, is still with us. It's a Bible phrase that comes from the Old Testament. And whatever you think about you know, Zionism and so on, and I'm not certainly not going there now. But at that time, at that place, it was God's promised land to them. And when God promised it to them, he described it as a land flowing with milk and honey. If you want to have a look in Exodus 3, don't bother now, but turn it up. Um, when God, when Moses first appeared, when God first appeared to Moses, rather, in the burning bush, he tells Moses, I want you to take these people. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've heard my people. I'm going to release them out of uh, e- Egypt, and I'm going to give them this land that, that all these people live in, and it's full of milk and honey. I'm the Lord. That's what uh, Moses first had. Uh, And at, at key times, like at the Passover in Exodus 13, they were to tell their children. You know, they went through the Passover and they had to tell their children in future generations what had happened and why. They were to tell their children this happened because the Lord was taking them to a land flowing with milk and honey. It was all about promise, a promise God had made. And the promise is not just seen by this milk and honey idea of it. God wants them to come bring back all this wonderful stuff to show them that this is the land he promised them. But look at where they're told to go, how they're told to go. He's, they're told to walk through it. To go through the Negev, the desert part, and up into the hill countries. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, when Abraham first met God, when God first promised Abraham that he would give him the land, he told Abraham the same thing. Go and walk through it, through the Negev, right the way through it. Because it's my promise to you and your descendants, says God. There's a little connection here, you see, in this account. Where do they find themselves? Hebron. Who knows anything about Hebron apart from the fact that this church was once called Hebron Hall. But Hebron was the place Abraham ended up it was the only bit of the promised land that he actually ended up owning and he bought a bit of it so that he could bury his wife sarah in a cave and abraham was buried in hebron and so was sarah and so was isaac and so was jacob and hebron was 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 the place where god had promised the land there was an altar there it was you know there was a key place and these 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 people exploring the land end up in hebron hey hebron that's where god promised it to to abraham that's the, the kind of we're going back to our roots It's our destiny, they're saying. It's about God, and God is saying to them, Go and see what I've promised you. Go and see it. It's amazing. Go and have a look. And how important that is because this community had been slaves for 300 years or more. They hadn't seen milk and honey, not for themselves, for for hundreds of years. They'd been making bricks down in Egypt. They got out. They'd been in the desert. And God's saying, I want you to see what I promised you. I want you to go and enjoy it. Taste it. Walk around it. Because I'm giving it to you. Go and let Hebron. Realize that it's your destiny. It's for you. It's what I'm doing for you. To get, to get the idea that this isn't just a kind of, you know, go and see what it's like. This is a, get, see what I've promised. Open your eyes. See it. And come back and share The story of it. That's what's going on. So they go off and they visit for 40 days and then they come back again. Let's see what happens when they come back. Let's read the next part. Verse 26 of chapter 13. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, We can't attack these people, they're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad, actually it's a stronger word in the original, an evil report, it says, about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours the people living in it. All the people we there saw there were of a great size. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. I'll tell you what they are in a minute. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. Ah, it starts well. It's a land of milk and honey, sure. But a big but comes. Verse 28. It's emphatic in the original. They say, oh, there are people there. <laughs> we thought it was going to be empty. There are people there. Now, actually, God always said to. The promise was always, I will give you the land of Canaan flowing with milk and honey. The, the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, and, and that whole list was always part of God's promise. That wasn't a surprise to God. But they're saying, oh, these people. Are there they're not good and then Caleb chips in and he said well we should take possession of it and and again in, in Caleb's words he's using the phrase that God had given to go up to take possession actually if you notice um, he's saying we can do it Caleb is saying kind of hinting don't forget God's promise here guys but the others although they've seen the land they've missed it completely it's the second thing missing God's promise. That's that sad? See, the Promised Land always had people in it. God never pretended it would be otherwise. He still promised it to them, and Caleb knows this, but the others miss it. All they see is the people. Are, the people are tough. Verse thirty-one. The, the other people say we can't attack these people. Uh, Caleb actually didn't say we're going to attack them. And if you know what happened when they went in, did they have to attack Jericho? They didn't, did they? God had other plans. But these people, all they see is the the tough cities, the tough times, and they say, no, 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 no. And Caleb tries to persuade them, and the people, other people get stronger, they get more negative, negative. It becomes an evil report. They even begin to start trying to win the community over to their view. It all becomes very political. And the majority start trying to win the community. They start talking like pagans. They start talking like the Canaanite uh, worshippers of the land around them. They start saying, this land devours people. It eats people up. It's like magic, you know. We saw these demonic giants there. Everyone's heard about the Nephilim. They were the, 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 the guys uh, kind of left over uh, or they show up before the flood. It's a long story. But, you know, they were believed to be these kind of ginormous kind of supernatural evil dudes, you know. And, uh, and they said, we saw them there. They start, they, they start thinking in those kind of terms. They were missing God's promise. They were choosing to look at things as issues that God would deal with. It's a bit like the holiday talk. Go back to my holiday. Imagine, yeah, you, you say, say, you're, say we've all been promised a great holiday. We've all won a holiday. Our church annual week away is going to be all inclusive in Cyprus or somewhere. Okay, and and back and back from the the, the recce or to, to come the, the tour operators have been out to find out what it's like. Come back and say, well, yeah, sure, sun's great. Yeah, it's a great place. Nice place. But the only thing is, um, oh dear, oh dear! You know we don't know how to put this. But um, it's really hot there, and uh, you know they drive on the wrong side of the road, and and you know the, the water in the taps you can't drink the water from the taps. But you know they don't tell you there's shade there and there's air conditioning in all the rooms, and that there's bottled water everywhere. And that you're not going to be driving, you'll be going by coach, so you needn't worry about... Do you see what I mean? It's that kind of thing. They're, they're seeing problems that the Lord was quite capable of sorting out. Verse 27 is a giveaway verse, isn't it? Look at verse 27. What do they say to Moses? We went into this land to which you, Moses, sent us. It's not God's promised land anymore. They've chosen to forget about God's promises. They got to Hebron. They may have visited Abraham's tomb. Maybe they went to the visitor's center at Abraham's tomb. I don't think there was You know what I mean. Maybe they saw it. Maybe they had the kind of experience of what Abraham was promised, but they just hadn't got it. They'd chosen to ignore it. It was all about them. Now, God has made promises, hasn't he, to us through Jesus in his word he's promised to work in our lives he's promised to be with us in trouble he's promised to make us fruitful for him he's promised to provide for our needs he's promised to fight for us he's promised to deal with our sin in the gospel he's promised to enable us to say no to temptation by the Holy Spirit Jesus told and promised his disciples that people would believe through their message as they went into the world with it. He promised that he would be with them always. All the promises we have, do we miss them? Could it be that we could be like these people? And do we, just like they did, start to think that it's just about us? Just about me and what I can do or what I can't do? We think it's just about what we can believe or what we can't believe. What we can work out for ourselves with our plans and ideas or our agendas. Or or if it doesn't work our way, we'll just opt out of it. Don't miss what God promises. This passage is saying, walk around in what God promises. See it. Get ready to live in it. Get in touch with your destiny again as God's people because these people missed it most of them well let's read on and see what happens chapter 14 verses 1 to 9 it doesn't get better it's one of this um, that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them if only we died in Egypt Or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, "'The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good.'" exceedingly good if the Lord is pleased with us he will lead us into that land a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up their protection is gone but the Lord is with us do not be afraid of them so we thirdly we get into a community in crisis it's a terrifying account of how a whole community is gripped by fear. I mean, it's a very extreme reaction in verse 1 and 2, but you can kind of see how it would have happened, can't you? It's very graphically written. How serious is it? Very serious. Verses 5 and 6 show us how serious. See what Moses and Aaron do? They fall face down in front of everybody. It's a kind of symbolic gesture. they kind of flat on the floor. Because they're so uh, what, that 's what you did when when you prayed in extreme situations. you prayed flat on the floor. maybe some of you have done that in extreme situations, but certainly it 's an old Testament uh, Jewish way of praying in those kind of times it 's serious. Joshua and Caleb tear their coats. Have you ever felt so strongly about something that you know you, you just you, you, know, you, you want to say something, but you can't say something. You, Well, you know, it's a bit like that. They didn't know what to say something. Oh, well, they, took, they you know, ripped them in half because they felt so strongly about it. You know, a bit like that um, clichéd and much spoofed moment. I don't know where the original film is, but when somebody dies and, or they discover something, they go, no, you know, and then the camera looks down on them and, it, you know, I've seen it spoofed a few times. Uh, Space is the only program I can think of that immediately. Don't worry if you don't know that. But anyway, uh, that kind of moment, it's like, No, it's awful. It's horrific. It, it's awful. It's a crisis. And we can see why. Look at what they were saying. If only we had died in Egypt. The Lord is going to let us die. Our families are going to be plundered. Oh, let's go back. Let's get another leader. There's mass panic and they lose all sense of perspective. Now, do we ever get like this? Do you? Why did I, why did I ever become a Christian? Why did I do this thing? Why did I come to Portswood Church? You might think that. I might think that sometimes. Why? Why I you know, that kind of feeling. Why? I might as well go back. Now, how did they get to that point? How do we get to that point? Well, if you look at it, surely the problem is they just simply have stopped trusting God with the unknown, haven't they? Just because they can't see it, they've stopped trusting him. And worse than that, they're ignoring everything they'd ever known about him. They knew it wasn't going to be easy, so now they're deciding to to give up. Again, it's all about them, isn't it? And I I know when I get like that, it's always all about me. It's almost like they've written God out of the story completely. It's like he never existed, never was there. And that's what we get to i can't do this anymore we say i'll give up i'll go back we we struggle we all struggle we struggle with temptations with the pressure to go back to old ways. So that the old things that we once gave our hearts to, as it were. The things that we, we once got satisfaction and meaning from. And you know, for some of us, it, it might be alcohol. It might be sex. It might be ambition. It could be wanting a nice life. It w- could be wanting to be a great preacher. Hmm? Or have a really successful church. Or have loads of people in the church that we're part of. Or, or have the coolest house group in town. I don't know what it is. But these things that we put our trust in, the perfect family that we always wanted, the, the nice life that we've dreamt of, anything that, you know, our dream, it's my dream, you know, it's my dream. We all struggle with something. And God promises another way. He promises that, that, that he's got these promises that he's made in Jesus and we can trust him. And at times we're under pressure to shut our eyes and just not see what he promises. Now next week we'll find out why that is, because the story goes on. And how God responds when we do that. But these people in the desert had baggage, didn't they? Boy, if anyone had baggage, the children of Israel out of Egypt, they'd been slaves for 300 years. They had been systematically starved, abused, whipped Made to work long hours, you know, that had been their entire life for generations. Maybe that's why they had a meltdown. Maybe they were saying, yeah, Egypt was tough. But, you know, it was slavery, it was awful, but you knew where you were with slavery. I knew where I was when I was an alcoholic. I knew where I was when I, all I needed was the next fix. I knew where I was when it was a, a series of, of promiscuous relationships. I knew where I was when it was this, or, or when I just lived for that, 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 or that. I knew where I was then. And uh, that may have been where they were, and that sometimes is where we are. And we sometimes think, I've got baggage. And we say, oh, I've got baggage, so you know, if you knew the baggage I had, then you'd understand why I behaved in this way. We've all got baggage. These people have baggage. But the promises of God are bigger than our baggage. Joshua and Caleb step forward to try and bring them to their senses. They have this message, and this is a message that these people needed to hear. It's the message we need to hear at times like this. It's from verse 7 onwards. What are they? First of all, they say, what God promises is good. They say, the land is good. What God wants for you is good. You can hold on to that. There's evidence. They said, we've seen it for our lives. Now, this may be hard for some of us, but, but I suspect that even if you're feeling like you're giving up, I'm sure there is some little bit of evidence back in your past where you knew the goodness of God when you knew that you could trust him where you saw him work he is good It doesn't mean everything's easy but he's there they say the Lord is with us he will lead us to this land they say don't rebel against the Lord they say that's a, because in listening to your fear you're rebelling against the Lord not willfully but that's what's happening Maybe willfully. And then they say, don't be afraid of these people in the land. There's a fascinating little phrase there. They say, these people, they're limited. They're disarmed. They may look tough. They may look terrifying. They may look, but something has changed. Something has changed. Joshua and Caleb said, there are things going on that you don't see. And it's not as it looks do you know the Pilgrim's Progress, that story of the Christian journey? Do you remember when there's one terrifying point in the story when Pilgrim, I think it's the, he's the hero, has to walk down this path and there are these two lions, you know, ferocious, roaring lions. And he's terrified. Uh, but what he realizes is that if he stays on the path, right in the right place, the lions are chained. And actually the chains prevent them from coming right on him. And, and, and what these... these uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb are saying to the people that the evil you fear is chained. Something has changed in the situation. Don't be afraid. Joshua, the one who would be their leader, they've said we need another leader. He's not offering, but he's, he's, he's supporting Moses. But he was going to become the leader in the future. He speaks to them, their captain. Are they going to listen to him? Joshua. Do you know what Joshua's name is in the New Testament form? Jesus. They've got this captain, this man, Joshua, who's going to tell them the truth and say, look, it's going to be different. We have Jesus, our captain. We can listen to him because Jesus promises rescue. He promises a a, a new life. He promises forgiveness. He promises a new center to our lives. If you're not yet a Christian, he invites you to stop rebelling against God and to put your trust in his hands, your life in his hands. To start here. You can do that today. You can tell him. You can respond to him. You can say, yeah, okay, Jesus, I'll lay down my weapons. I give in. You have my life. I want to follow you. Because I know you've died for me. These people then have a choice, don't they? They can either go with their fears in rebellion against God. In effect, they can close their eyes to his promises, to his rescue, to his plan for them. And they can turn back. Or they can trust in the Lord who has saved them. The Lord who promised a destiny for them. Who promises to provide everything they need? Who doesn't kind of pretend there aren't any Amorites, Hittites, Jebusites, or whatever the equivalent fearful things are in your life? Doesn't say they're not going to be there, but he does promise to lead you through the tough times. Are we going to trust? Are we going to go with our fears? Or are we going to trust in the Lord? What did they do? Find out next week. What will we do? Well, we don't have to wait that long for that. See the promises of God. See what he's promised. Don't miss it. Move forward listening to our Joshua, our leader, Jesus, who takes us into all that God promises for us. Let's bow in prayer as the band come up for our next part. Lord, we want to just bow in your presence and thank you for the way Jesus is described in the New Testament as the captain of our salvation, the pioneer, the leader. And Lord, we thank you that when we're in danger of uh, hearing or the invitation to see all that you've promised, but closing our eyes to it, we thank you that, Jesus, you come as our captain and you remind us of these truths. Lord, you are with us, that you can rescue us, that we needn't be afraid, that we can trust in you. Lord, thank you. May we hear you today. And if there are areas in our lives where we simply need to kind of let go and trust ourselves to you again, grant us the joy and help of the Holy Spirit as we do that. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen.